0: Well, hello again. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week here on Faith Radio. So Merry, Merry Christmas to you and to yours. I have been thinking about the conversations that we may need to have before the end of the year. And we've just got a couple of days left in this year. And so this is definitely the wrapping up loose ends time of year for me. So are there some loose ends that we need to wrap up in terms of conversations that we know we need to have. I'm going to highlight a couple of ideas here for you and um, jot them down if that's helpful. You can always circle back around and listen to this again. It will be available at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you download your podcast. You should be subscribed to Mornings with Carmen. So here they are, um, conversations that I think we all need to consider having before the end of the year. The first one are those things that we need to talk through with God. So what are they for you? What have you been avoiding in terms of your conversations with God? I'm going to encourage you to get some time and some space. Take God at his word. You know, God's good for his word. God's good for the promises he's made in there. The, the door of access is standing wide open through Jesus Christ. You can enter into the presence of God through Christ, through the way that he has made. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you can invite the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is already going to do, you know, right? That's a, that's an easy prayer to pray. Like Holy Spirit, please translate my thoughts and my fumbling utterances into prayers that are aligned with the very heart of God. Cause I don't really know what to say or how to say it, but you know, my heart and then submit joyfully to the father. God loves you rest in that reality. I mean, you can go before God and you can say, God, I know there's things that we need to talk about. I know that there's parts of my life that you want access to that i've been you know withholding help me help me yield to you all of those places and spaces and thoughts words deeds that really uh, need to come under your authority so what are the things that you need to talk through with god here at this year's end and then what are the things that you need to work through with yourself this is this is the stand in front of a mirror and have an honest conversation about the presence of the holy spirit and the parts of life that are aligned with the spirit those are the good the parts of the life of your life that are not aligned with the spirit that's the bad and then the parts of your life where you know you're just frankly being a hypocrite you're saying one thing and you're doing another cuz that frankly is the ugly that's those are the parts of our of our life expression that make jesus look bad so that's a fruit inspection conversation and you can look at galatians 5 to examine that in your own life. This is a time, a good time of year for self-examination. And then maybe you need to find ways to enrich the soil of your life and overseed it with the word of God and invite the light, the cleansing power of the light of Christ and certainly the presence of the Holy Spirit to bring you into greater conformity with the will of God in the year ahead. And then are there conversations that you need to have with people um, where you know peace needs to be made or forgiveness needs to be sought or offered or amends need to be made? are there people that you need to have conversations with before the end of the year? Are there lost people after whom God is sending you? And is there some rejoicing that you need to do with those who rejoice and some weeping you need to do with those who weep? I'm thinking here about people that maybe we've been avoiding because of our own emotional circumstances. Are there people you've been avoiding because of what's going on in your own life? And that means that you have not rejoiced with them at the things god has done in their life or you have not wept with them over their losses so what are the conversations that you need to have before the end of the year i'm going to be giving some attention to that in these waning days of 2022 and i invite you to do the same you're listening to mornings with carmen i'm carmen laburge and this is faith radio
1: A holly, jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Now, I don't know.
0: Colin Hansen is back. You can find him at thegospelcoalition.org. And at the top of the page, you can find the top 10 theological news stories of the year 2022. Colin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be here. This is always a fun conversation, Carmen.
0: So on the text line, um, folks have noted that they think I've had too much coffee this morning. So just warning you in advance. (laughs) I was a little wound up about a 12-page Christmas letter that I got in a Christmas card recently. And it's just a chronicle of what happened in those people's lives. It's not a Christmas letter at all. It has nothing to do with Christmas. So there you go. That was my Surely not from a
1: listener. Surely Just not from prior, a listener.
0: No, no, from a publicist, <laughs> but there you go.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, what makes your list? And we're gonna work our way down from number ten to number one because that's how countdowns work. So um, first of all, how do you how do you do this? How do you sort through this and then take us into your list?
1: Well, Carmen, it's pretty subjective at some level. I do have objective analytics in terms of the kinds of stories that people have been reading all year through the Gospel Coalition, how uh, how much readership there is on certain things. So I combine that with a subjective sense of things from talking with a lot of people from my reading. And so you end up with things like number 10, what's next after liberalism. I'm referring there to our basic political order. I'm not talking about a political party, but our entire political system. And I think that the issues around trans activism are significant enough to be forcing people into a reconsideration of does this political system even work anymore if it can't even recognize male and female? How are we supposed to orient anything in our public life toward truth if we all know that we have to perpetuate this kind of lying um, about basic reality? So that's, that's one of those subjective ones, but I'm sure that's been a topic that's been pretty commonly discussed on your show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm interested that number nine on your list has to do with mass shootings. I think when yeah. you when you think about a theological headline, this may not have popped into yeah. people's minds as a, a theological concern, but it certainly is.
1: Well, it certainly is because we don't really have an explanation for why this is happening. I think we, the the tendency, Carmen, as you know, is for everybody to just blame someone else. And it seems to only confirm their priors. But doesn't this make a whole lot more sense as a theological story, as a kind of spiritual darkness? Um, These situations, they all seem to have some commonalities in the sense that it's a lot of troubled young men. um, And we shouldn't ignore that. And yet the the kind of particular darkness, I, I can only explain it spiritually. We try to explain it through debates about gun control, and those are good to have, But ultimately, this appears to be something that is beyond our ability to understand or to stop. And that requires, I think in previous generations, this would have been discussed in spiritual theological terms. And that's what I'm trying to get at with that one.
0: All right. Number eight on the list is the um, Southern Baptist Convention's report revealing top-level abuse and a cover-up of it. Um, the, The SBC is... Uh, you know, representative of a very large number of evangelical Christians across the country. I suspect that because it's so big, that's um, that's why it looms large in this right. list.
1: Yeah, anything the Southern Baptist Convention does because of their sheer size as the largest Protestant denomination, and especially controlling so many large uh, seminaries and other institutions, publishers, and missions agencies. It's always going to be a big deal. The I was listening to your list earlier, Carmen, which is great. We should I should have just interviewed you for this. But many of these stories, cover, they cover different years. And this is a good example of one. This year what we learned is that the top leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention knew about many, many, many cases and deliberately did not tell anybody about them in an effort to, in large part, seemingly cover themselves and their own liability there. So the real question here is, is this a negative story? Well, of course it is, because anytime we see this kind of horror breaking out in our churches, it's really terrible. At the same time, this really is a story about those Christians who demanded and got accountability from those leaders. That's really what was different this year. We only got that report because Christians demanded it, because they believed that the Bible had commanded them to do so. It was a theological story there with the SBC this year.
0: All right. Again, we're talking with Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition. We are talking through uh, his list of the top 10 theological news stories of the year. And uh, this one does not surprise me that it made the list, but help us frame it in terms of a theological headline, Queen Elizabeth II Died.
1: Well, we're coming up on the time of year when I think in many ways Queen Elizabeth was the most prominent. And that was with her customary Christmas message that she'd been delivering for so many decades. I mean, she was the monarch since 1952. Uh, Many people are going to get to know her son, Charles, the current king, better. But one of the things we know about him is that while his mother was a devout Christian, he is sees himself more broadly as not a defender of the Christian faith, but a defender of all faiths. And so we're not exactly sure how that's going to play out with him as the head of a national church. You also mentioned, Carmen, in your list, the the rise of or kind of the discussion of Christian nationalism. Well, you have here the head of a state church, a Christian nationalism in, in a constitutional monarchy in England. And I know that a number of Americans have pointed to that as something that they want to see a more established religion that is enforced at some level by the state. Um, but others have pushed back theologically to say, "But that state church has actually hindered the progress of true religion." A long-standing debate between the United States and the United Kingdom, and we're going to see how that plays out. Moving away from Elizabeth's steady Christian leadership to her son's more um, and a broad orientation toward many faiths.
0: Yeah, that is a massive shift, and it's about to be upon us because we anticipate the delivery of that uh, customary Christmas message. It'll be very, very interesting to see what um, uh, what King Charles says. All right, we're going to return to this conversation with Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition in just a moment. What, what makes your list of the top theological news stories of the year? Um, it might be that the answer to this is intensely personal. Um, Maybe you came to faith. Maybe you came to saving faith in 2022. If that's true, that tops the list for sure of your top theological stories for the year. Um, We're thinking nationally and internationally with Colin Hansen, and we'll return to that conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible gift to Faith Radio before the year ends. You can give now by texting the word GIVE to 877-933-2484 or join the support team at myfaithradio.com. Thanks a lot. Continuing our conversation with Colin Hansen from the Gospel Coalition. You can find what we're talking about today at thegospelcoalition.org. It's the, it's the lead story, um, and it is the top 10 theological news stories of the year. I'll also link to it in the show notes for today's program. All right, Colin, let's get back to the list. We are, we have arrived at number six pastors blamed in the ongoing reckoning for 2020.
1: Yeah, all those conversations we've been having about politics, about race, about pandemic, about government, they continue, and this appears to be the year where pastors are the ones that are in the, in the sites. Um, they seem to be the ones that are taking a lot of the blame for simply not making everybody happy, and you're seeing a pretty um, sizable uh, departure of pastors from ministry, which is uh, going to cause all kinds of different theological challenges for the church going ahead
0: absolutely and the and the closure of churches um on the heels of that as well i just right. I see a a pretty significant realignment locally um in terms of church membership and so well that'll be an interesting story to watch this year as well um two christian colleges abandon biblical ethics there's some definitely some shifting uh taking place in terms of theological commitments in higher ed
1: yeah i mean my my sexual ethics are always a big deal in my end of year list because that's the era that we live in. So number five, I'm talking about Calvin University and Eastern University in different ways dropping their commitments to traditional marriage. Um, We'll see how things play out ongoing with the Christian Reformed Church which owns Calvin University. They went the opposite direction as a denomination of reaffirming biblical ethics while Calvin dropped that requirement for its faculty. So we'll see how that plays out but I think I think, Carmen, a lot of people are not going to be surprised by the number four item on my list. And it could have been number one, um, but we'll see why it wasn't number one. But that, of course, was the Dobbs decision, uh, ban- allowing abortion bans for the first time in, in 50 years. Um, so far, I don't, know, I don't know, Carmen, if you sense that would people be surprised in a good way or a bad way if they knew that we've seen about a 6% decrease in abortions nationwide since the decision?
0: So here's the thing. I mean, I don't even know if we know how to account for abortions anymore because there's so many um, you know, sort of at home yeah, chemical right. through the mail uh, abortions taking place. And so I, I've, I think that our numbers are uh, like almost purely made up at this point. I, I think it's impossible to judge.
1: Yeah. Well, in, in that sense, then based on that analysis, we could have actually seen an increase in abortions uh, since the decision. Uh, Because a lot of people being worried about that and learning about new access that they can get across state lines to different uh, at home um, at home abortions there, which is horrible to think about. But anyway, it's it's a big decision, a good decision, a just decision nonetheless. But maybe the reason it wasn't number one for me is because its implications are unfortunately more mixed than we would than we would love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. The top three headlines are all international. um, And I think that that's legit. I think that when we talk about theological headlines, we ought to be talking about uh, globally what is happening, um, because the, the circumstance and the situation here for Christians in the United States, people of faith in the United States of all varieties, is far more free and liberal than it is in many other places around the world. So take us to the top three, Iran, China, and Russia.
1: And let's talk about the top three. Iran. so uh, we know about Iran for a long time. It is a place of revolutions, and this is not the first time that people have responded against the human rights abuses of the current um, Islamic regime. Uh, The one thing that I noted theologically that's different this time around is a much larger evangelical community in Iran. Now, it remains underground. And theologically, there's a lot of debate in those underground churches of what do they do? Do they lay low? Do they get involved in the protests? That's a common thing we've also heard from China in previous years and ongoing now. So I'm, it's going to take us till 2023 to find out exactly where this goes. Is this going to be snuffed out like every other revolution? Or is this one that could actually bring you know, bring things down? Uh, China, similarly, it often appears in my top 10 list. There's always something happening there. But uh, just since I was began to compose this list, we've just been seeing for the first time China beginning to relax its, it's a COVID zero policy. And the COVID zero policy had been used to justify all manner of authoritarian crackdowns, including on Christians. And so perhaps with the disappointment of Russia's progress and in their invasion, that may have slowed things with Taiwan, that may have helped the church in Taiwan there as well. Um, But maybe the Chinese government, with their economy in pretty significant decline, maybe they'll reverse in 2023. But the story of 2022 was definitely the crackdown. And that leads to number one. No surprise here. Uh, Russia invades Ukraine in the first major land war in Europe since World War II. And the thing about this story is it's not only probably the story of the year in general. As the first, as I mentioned, first land war since back in 1945 in Europe. But the theological dimensions to this are endless. Um, The fighting between the Russian Orthodox Church, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which have very close ties historically, then also the Moscow Patriarchate um, in in Ukraine, and basically Ukraine banning Russian churches from meeting there, the, the departure of them, the deliberate destruction of churches by Russia's military we could keep talking and talking and talking about this also the blessing of the invasion by moscow's christian nationalist church um oh my the the theological implications here are endless carmen
0: we are uh looking forward to your coverage at the gospel coalition of um, all kinds of theological headlines in the year to come Um, i will make a few assignments so i think that uh, one of the big stories is it's already starting to happen. But I think that into the next year, one of the big stories here in the United States is going to be the uh, realignment of United Methodist churches. Um, Hundreds of them already, but I suspect Mm -hmm. thousands more to come. Um, I think that uh, we may see the absolute collapse of the nation of Haiti and what does that mean for us um, as their near neighbors. Um, And then I think that like war, refugees, um, recession, and then the rise of the use of assisted suicide. I'm going to put all of those on on the watch list for 2023. And sadly, I mean, none of those are great headlines. Um, I also expect, you know, God to redeem people every single day. Amen. Um, and I wish those made the headlines more often. But those are such personal headlines that they often don't, you know, capture. Um, they often aren't captured in terms of our national or global uh, interest
1: and concern. I'm taking notes, Carmen. you got good insight. <laughs> thanks for
0: sharing. (laughs) Uh, I'm here for you. I'm here for you anytime. We appreciate (laughs) you being here so much, Colin. We appreciate your work at the Gospel Coalition. Um, You guys know you love it and you rely on it, so um, give them a shout out anytime you have the opportunity on your own social media, thegospelcoalition.org. That's Colin Hanson. We look forward with connecting with you in the new year. Thanks for joining us, Colin.
1: Thanks, Carmen.
0: Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Well, we have arrived at the very final days of the very final week of the year. And so these 52 weeks are, you know, being checked off and we're looking ahead to the 52 weeks of 2023. Now, here's one thing that I know. If you don't make a Bible reading plan, then at this point in time next year, you will absolutely not have succeeded in reading the Bible. Right We're not going to have a plan to work if we don't work out a plan. And so I'm going to encourage you to choose a Bible reading plan. Choose some kind of plan that gets you into the Word of God. There are a lot of ways to approach this. We're going to talk with Trillia Newbell up next about her 52 Weeks in the Word invitation to each one of us. You can uh, hear me smiling because Trillia Newbell is back, and she's one of my just favorite people in all of the kingdom. Trillia, good morning. Good morning. So I'm supposed to introduce you as the author of several books, including A Great Cloud <laughs> of Witnesses, Sacred Endurances, If God is for Us, Fear and Faith, and two of your children's books, Creative God, Colorful Us, and God's Very Good Idea. Um, I'm going to introduce you as just... Uh, sweet, precious sister in Christ. Um, Also, the acquisitions director at Moody Publishers. You can find Trillia at Trillianewbell.com. You can follow her on Instagram as well, at Trillianewbell. Trillia, let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about getting into the Word of God before we get out there into the world that God so loves. The book is 52 Weeks in the Word, a companion for reading through the Bible in a year. So, why uh why do we need this? I mean, I need it, so why do each and every one of us need this?
2: Well, there's those are two different questions. So, why do we need the Bible or why do we need 52 weeks in the word? Obviously, we need to get into his word um so that we can know him, enjoy him, and learn all that he has commanded. Something that you said at the beginning is that we we want to be a part of the world that God so loved. <laughs> I actually I just loved that reminder and so if we're not if we're not in the word we're not going to be we're we're just will struggle to know him and we will struggle to be a part of the word and be um have a firm foundation as we engage culture so there's about a thousand reasons why we need uh, to get in god 's Word, and I am praying that fifty two weeks in the Word will be a companion to help guide and encourage people to to that end to get into god 's word, so the Word gets into them,
0: so when we think about fifty two weeks in the word, um I think about um a companion that's going to help me be consistent um and then also help me get back into it when um you know I lapse. Can you just talk about sort of the invitational nature of this. This is not a, hey, you have to do it. This is not a regimen. This is an invitational journey together with a consistent companion.
2: Yes. Amen to that. So one of the reasons that I would say that it's an invitation is that it's, it's, I give you all the tools you need. So I give you a Bible study plan so you can read Genesis to Revelation straight through. And every day you have a scripture reading prompt, a place for you to write, a place for you to pray. And then there's 52 reflections where you can pause and read something that I have written to help encourage you about what you have been reading. And then there's a day of rest. And so the invitation is such that it, it helps to, to guide you, to keep you going, but it doesn't have any dates. There's no rules. You can read week one and then decide, you know, I really want to get into the New Testament. So I'm going to skip to week 46. You can do that. It's There's freedom and flexibility there, but it is to help guide you. And so I it's, it's a tool to be used. And but yeah, I have no desire to add a law or to add a rule. It's it's a to encourage and cheer you on.
0: Those of you asking, um, do you have copies to give away? Yes, in fact, we do. So if you're saying to yourself, "I want a copy of Fifty Two Weeks in the Word," you can text the word "book" to eight seven seven. 933-2484. This is a wonderful, wonderful companion. Um both Trillia and the book, a wonderful companion um in your exploration and reading of the scriptures in the new year. So 52 weeks in the Word. Um Trillia, to be perfectly honest here, people, you know, they like a verse of the day, right? They like what fits on uh on the little slip of paper that comes in a fortune cookie. It's a whole lot more than that. What is the value of reading the entire
2: Bible? You are exactly right. It is a lot more than that. So you're going to be reading maybe about three chapters a day, uh, give or take. And the value is that you really understand the context of the scriptures. You understand the whole storyline of the Bible. We do. We like to pick and. Uh, choose. We like to hang on to one text, which is okay. It is okay to hang on to one text, but really to understand the context, understand um, what God is saying and who He's saying it to, and 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 how He wants us to engage and understand His Word, you must. You need to read it. You need to read the the whole context. So, so the it is. It's a meteor um, read. As you're reading through, but it's going to be worth it because you will grow and understand. As a matter of fact, my son, he is 16, and he's using it. And he told me the other day that I, I, he didn't fully understand Genesis <laughs> until he started mm-hmm. reading like just reading the whole context. And it was, he said, he was so fascinated um, uh, by what he was reading and the whole story, which is a big drama, anyways. But it, it was just it's it's encouraging when you hear oh. I'm reading and I'm learning something new and I'm, I'm understanding the context and understanding the storyline of scripture. So that's the goal. That's the heart. And really that's what we need to do. We need to under, to understand, we must, we must read it. So the word understanding
0: um, is one you've used several times. I think what you're pointing to there is not just a, a general sense that, you know, the Bible is something that's important, but that we're actually literate about what the Bible says and then what it means. Can you talk a little bit about Bible literacy? What does that mean, and why is it important to be biblically literate?
2: Yes. So Bible literacy is really um, um, growing in our knowledge, and I, I do keep using the word understanding. And understanding, there's. I'm, I'm looking up by the definition for literacy, because if you look it up, that really explains. But the understanding the full context of the scripture, um, g- getting to know what go- God has in his word. So what we often do is we kind of cherry pick. We know only certain stories, but we can't mm-hmm. connect those dots. And so Bible literacy helps us not just understand the story. The stories, but understand how they connect and what God is trying to teach us through His Word. We, for example, if you read the book of Hebrews, you cannot read that book and understand it because uh you you'll the writer will say things like Jesus is the fulfillment, <laughs> or or mm-hmm. Jesus is the better Adam, what does that mean? Well, if mm-hmm. you read Genesis, you will get it. So, and and a, a rest, the rest of the Old Testament, but, but those are the kinds of things that I think we neglect to remember. So Bible literacy helps us to connect those dots. It helps us to understand what, what God is saying in his word, not just a story, but how it all connects. And so, hey, I want you to know and your listeners to know I am still very much growing in my understanding of God's Word. We, no one has arrived. We are all, I am always learning something new, always learning, oh, this is what that connects to. I didn't know that. And and that is actually the joy of reading through the Bible. So if you have never done it, or if you find yourself what even what I said about Hebrews and you're like, I don't know what she's talking about. Hey, that's okay. That's why we read we read to to learn about the Lord to grow in um, Bible literacy and our understanding and to become um, what, so really understand what God has commanded us so that we can to live rightly and enjoy him and, and so we're we're all growing. We're all growing. So there's no one who's arrived. We're all on a journey of understanding the one we will be learning about for eternity.
0: When we come back, I'm gonna ask Trillia to talk a little bit about not only how we read the Bible, um, but how the Bible reads us. What does it mean that we would be transformed? Um, through our engagement with the Word of God, what does that look like? And as she's talking um, there about the 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 Book of Hebrews, I'm wondering, like when you when you read the Book of Hebrews and it says Jesus is considered a priest in the order of Melchizedek, like do you know what that means? And as Trulia points out, nope, not if you didn't read the Old Testament. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. The book is 52 Weeks in the Word, a companion for reading through the Bible in a Year. We're giving away copies today. To enter the drawing, you can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Sign up for the free Bible in a Year reading plan at MyFaithRadio.com and get everything you need to follow the plan each day and stay on track, including a printed schedule. Sign up now at MyFaithRadio.com.
1: And the pages of the-
0: We're talking with Trillia Newbell. She is the author of several books and the acquisitions director at Moody Publishers. We're talking today about her newest book, 52 Weeks in the Word, a companion for reading through the Bible in a year. Um, Trillia, I want to talk about reading the Bible and then the Bible reading us. Um, the Bible is the only book that reads us. What, what does that mean?
2: Yeah, it is. It's living and active, and so I, I, when I read the scriptures, often the Lord, in His kindness, will illuminate it, make it make sense to me, and then give convict me of something. So I'm reading something, and I realize, oh, um, this is who Jesus is, and in this is how I can grow more like Him <laughs> as I'm reading. And I, I think of Philippians one six. Um, where it says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So there is there's a beautiful promise there that God will sanctify us, and when we're reading God's word, we are um, in many ways being transformed because we are le- we are reading and seeing. Okay, this is this is God's word. This is where we can grow and God by his holy spirit will convict us and then we can repent and turn and change and grow. So yeah, I think in a lot of ways it shows us where we where we need to be. God's holy. He's just he's set apart. Um we are a new creation. Um mm-hmm. but we are not fully glorified. We are we're still being sanctified, which is growing in the likeness of Christ, changing from one degree of glory to the next um and the word says for this is the will of god your sanctification that you abstain from all sorts of things that he wants us to 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 grow and the scriptures it it shows us um who we are so that we might become more like him
0: yeah that uh, we are just naturally Um, because we live in the world, we're going to naturally be conformed or catechized by the world and by the patterns of the world. But if we really want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, if we really want to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, we have to be in the word of God in such a way that the word of God gets into us and changes us, actually has that um, transforming power Uh, in our lives. I think we're resistant to that. I think, um, you know, we'd we'd prefer to not be changed in many, many ways and in many cases, right? But, um, But submitting to the active work of the Holy Spirit as God is bringing us into ever greater conformity with who Christ is, like, that is the submission of the will of the Christian as we are engaged with the Scripture. The study of the Bible is not just happening in the head.
2: Amen. You know, it's interesting because one of the temptations I think we have (laughs) is to read the scriptures and to say, oh, we would never do that. Or they, they did that. They, they rejected Jesus. They are terrible people. They, they, they. And we, it's hard for us to see ourselves in, um, doing those doing whatever it is whatever it is Mm -hmm. um and so we often struggle now we also want to be careful we can't put ourselves in every story (laughs) but god has a word for us in his scripture and often he is showing us this is this is the the human heart apart from him will run to these things and and we we need to um be on guard lest we sin, (laughs) we need to ask God for strength to reveal our hearts where we've gone wrong, to repent and turn um, and confess it to him um, and to learn and grow into the likeness of Jesus. So so our temptation 100% is to not apply the scriptures to our lives um, or not to see how uh, we could do whatever it is that we're seeing. Um, another temptation is that to think that, well, God was faithful to them, but is he faithful to me? And I know this is a little different than what you're talking about, but that is another temptation. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the new and is the God today. He is the God that draws near to those who are brokenhearted. He is the God who, who is faithful, who is Faithful to Moses, who's faithful to you. And that to me is also such an encouragement as we read the Bible. God doesn't change. God's an unchanging God. So we can read it and know that the, the characteristics, the, the things that we see of the Lord in the scriptures is the same thing for us today. Praise God for that. Yeah, I love
0: um, this invitation to be reading together as well. I mean, we want to be we want to be reading the Bible. Um, we want to be reading through the Bible. Um, you're inviting us to do that alongside you um, as our companion, 52 Weeks in the Word, a companion for reading through the Bible in a year. Trillia, one of the things I appreciate about that is it helps us guard against the temptation to what I'll describe as personal or individual interpretation. Um, it is not what does the Bible, you know, mean to me. It is what does God mean through his word? Um, what is it that God has said? What is God revealing? What is God saying? And you keep uh, offering that course correction. Um, and that is really, really a gift.
2: Well, goodness, that's so encouraging. Um, <laughs> that's yes, that's encouraging. And that is the goal. The goal is that we understand how to to read the scriptures what god's word has to say um often people will say that the the bible interprets itself (laughs) and so if we can read the bible and learn how to cross-reference um use different tools to help guide us and help us grow then i i think that's it's a gift it's a gift from the lord and um and so i i do pray that people will uh use this companion guide to help them um, as they grow. But I want to also encourage people to grab other people to read through. Mm-hmm. I have heard about groups of people who are buying 52 Weeks in the Word, and they're going to keep each other accountable, and they're going to talk about what they're learning together. I believe in our individualistic society that anytime we can gather and ask for help is good. And we, we can't do... Uh, The scriptures say we can't bear fruit apart from Jesus, right? We can do nothing apart from him. The scriptures also say that we need a community of people, the church. So I encourage people, um, yeah, read, use this companion guide for your time with the word, but don't do it alone. Grab a friend, ask them to be accountable with you. Talk about what you're learning in a community of people. I think that is um, good and wise, and it'll be an encouraging time as you're reading the Bible through the year.
0: All right, we have some comments on the text line um, from friends who are texting in during the show. Richard just says, amen. Um, <laughs> it has brought me uh, so much hope to know um, the God that you know we discover. Um, that the in the Old Testament is the same God um, who we worship in Christ Jesus and alive and working today. Um, another friend says, hey, she's the acquisitions director. You should ask her about her new favorite book. But I know that every book that you've acquired is your new favorite book, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. And often when I get that question, I forget what I've read. I It's like my brain goes blank. And I'm like, I don't know. Do I even mm-hmm. read? So... <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um, And then this friend says, oh, I just think that opening the actual Bible is so important here, Um, We could actually experience it as therapy, like, right, actually just physically opening the word, um, liberating us from the screen. So I just think that people are really resonating um, with what you're saying. And then uh, Linda wants to also advocate uh, that at some point people read the chronological, read the Bible in chronological order as well. So um, when you're reading through the Bible, our goal is to get you reading through the Bible, um, however you're going to do it. We want you to be in it. And if you would like a companion for the journey, Trillia is a wonderful one, and she offers 52 Weeks in the Word, a companion for reading through the Bible in a year. We're giving away copies today from our friends at Moody Publishers. You can uh, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Trillia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. All right, friends. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me in this special edition of a Christmas week version of Mornings with Carmen. Love spending time with you. Remember, you can always email me, Carmen at myfaithradio.com. Love to hear your encouragement at year end, maybe things you're looking forward to in the year ahead, ways that this ministry has been a blessing to you. We have been on quite a journey together this year. And so thank you so much for all the time we've spent together and the good things that we have experienced in the presence of one another because of the Lord. He's so good, he's so great, he's so gracious. Let's definitely spend some time here at the end of the year reveling in the reality of the goodness and the grace of God. Don't forget the joy. Whatever else is going on today, don't allow yourself to forget or to miss the joy. Maybe you're cleaning up from all things Christmas and looking forward to celebrating the new year. We'll spend some time today rejoicing in the Lord. He's so worthy to be praised. Again, thank you so much for including me in your day. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support.